Hello, and welcome to Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Justin Askenazian. So today we're talking about a topic that um, I think is kind of prevalent in the legal industry, and yet uh, really quietly so, because it's not talked about a whole lot. Um, you know, so I'm hopefully we'll be able to sit to shed a good amount of light on it today. And that is neurodiversity in the industry uh, and ADHD in particular. Um, so first, uh, of course, I want to introduce our guests. Uh, Casey Dixon is the founder of Dixon Life Coaching and is a professional board and senior certified life coach. And Crystal Larson is director of well-being at Stinson LLP. Uh, so Stinson and Dixon Life Coaching have partnered to uh, create a program that uh, promotes awareness of neurodiversity in the industry and also uh, provide insight into how to navigate that in the workplace and limit uh, distractions. Um, and I want to talk about their program in just a second. But first, um, I was wondering, Casey, if uh, you could... So, so we kind of have a baseline. Could you describe uh, what ADHD is and some of the ways that it presents itself? Sure. So ADHD is basically a, a neurobiological um, issue, neurodiversity, that impacts our ability to follow through on what we know. So we might know what we need to do and how we're going to go about doing it even, and it makes it hard for us to perform or to act on that knowledge. Um, technically, it is executive function disorder. So some people who are listening today might have heard of an executive dysfunction or executive functions difficulties. Those difficulties make it hard for us to organize things and prioritize and plan and control our impulses and resist distractions and be aware of time. So these are performance-based issues, right? Um, so for attorneys or others in the legal industry that can show up as possibly missing deadlines, but more prevalently working up right to a deadline because we get really motivated when something becomes hyper urgent, um, not following through on things that you intend to follow through on in a timely manner. For a lot of lawyers, it's not logging your billable hours um, by the time it's the end of the month. <laughs> Um, so those are some of the things, mostly administrative tasks can become uh, boring and, um, your brain isn't able to sort of step into them with ease. So there are lots of things that it can impact your work as an attorney or in any of the really other professional roles in the legal industry. So Crystal, what made Stinson want to start, uh, this, this kind of program? Sure. You know, our main objective in taking on this work was to simply increase awareness of neurodiversity for both our staff and attorneys at Stinson. We wanted to do that primarily, of course, so that anybody who is experiencing a challenge like this with executive function or neurodiversity can get the type of professional support they may need in order to be successful, both personally and professionally. But we also felt like this work was important to do so that we could start to really chip away at the stigma that we know exists around neurodiversity and mental health more broadly. 
that stigma is something that exists certainly in the general population and everyday life, but I think it's especially pronounced in the legal industry. And the fact of the matter is, even if you are not someone who as an individual lives with a condition like ADHD, chances are, like we know from the prevalence rates that you likely work with somebody who does live with ADHD. So whether directly or indirectly, these are issues that impact all of us, which is why we wanted to bring it to our whole population. So you mentioned the prevalence rates, and I do want to get into the stats because, I mean, at least I found them, you know, a bit surprising in, in terms of how prevalent uh, it is in the industry. So um, what, are, what are some of the stats on, on ADHD? So in the adult general population, not necessarily lawyers or legal professionals, um, we're talking around four and a half or five percent of adults might um, have ADHD in the legal industry. Before I say that, this statistic comes out of um, the Krill report, which is um, a report that studied mental health and substance use. Um, disorders and things like that in the legal industry in 2016, I think that was. Is that right? Yeah. So they found all sorts of things like high amounts of stress and increased um, substance use and increased depression, anxiety amongst American attorneys. Um, they also found that the those attorneys were self-reporting ADHD at about 12.5%. So we're talking like two and a half times that of the general adult population. So it's really prevalent. And um, I want to take a moment also to say that ADHD is defined as some of the struggles, right, that I just mentioned with the executive functions. But we also find that those attorneys bring a lot of, of really powerful strengths and richness to the legal industry. So that's one of the things that I wanted to bounce off what Krista said, which is there are reasons to reduce the uh, stigma around this because some of these attorneys who are really struggling are also going to be your key players um, and bring a lot of wealth to um, the work that they're doing. And Krista, do you want to uh, you know speak to how some of the roles that these attorneys play either at, at your firm or um, at others that you've uh, seen and, and how they're able to uh, you know, cope or not cope as the case maybe uh, with these More. challenges. Yeah. You know, one of the things I don't think I fully appreciated until we started partnering with Casey and her team is how these strengths of ADHD can really allow an attorney to be successful in a high intensity, high volume practice, like what a lot of our attorneys, if not all of our attorneys experience here at Stimson. Um, So as Casey alluded to earlier, individuals with ADHD thrive in those high-intensity situations when there's that context of urgency that's really going to send their work ethic into high gear. And as anybody who works in the legal industry knows, there's a whole lot of that in the work that our attorneys and staff members do. So you can imagine how that kind of idiosyncrasy of ADHD would be especially well suited for a legal environment. I think there are some si other sides to the coin with some of these strengths too, right? And there are ways that um, the unique qualities that often go with ADHD can get in people's way. But 
we've been really intentional about wanting to not just focus on what can go wrong, but also to, in the same conversation, be highlighting the ways that people can really be successful and thrive both personally and professionally in legal practice with a condition like ADHD. Definitely. Um, so just to you know, dive a bit deeper on something that's been, you know, kind of the the working, you know, a crucial part of working life over the last three years, and that's working from home, um, and then the uh, return to office. So you know, first, the working from home aspect. A lot of people are still doing it, either you know, fully remote, hybrid work. Uh, so you know, how does that affect um, the way? attorneys and staff with ADHD, um, you know, do their jobs. I think one of the things that um, Krista is becoming famous for saying is that not one size fits all is the answer. And this is true with the working from home. So for some of our attorneys with ADHD, working from home was a real blessing. Um, it gave them an opportunity to create an environment that was well suited to their work, uh, with fewer distractions of the office sort of bumping into them throughout the day, fewer opportunities for impulsivity to lead them off of what they intend to be doing. And for other attorneys, it exacerbated that. It, if you go, if you have a home environment that isn't structured, externally structured for work, then it can be very difficult to direct your own actions throughout the day. And instead of responding to emails or doing doc review or writing a brief, you find yourself loading the laundry again or responding to children or other family members in the household. So it takes a lot of structure or self-direction to work from home successfully. And so if you have a lot of external structure, it can work beautifully. Um, other neurodiverse the neurodiversity plays a role. So some people do really well when they're in a work environment. There's other things going on. It makes it feel more um, easier for somebody with ADHD to get to work if they can see other people doing that. So that was a major loss with the working from home during the pandemic. And um, now we're switching to having a lot of people go back to the office now that we've created a work-from-home environment, it requires a restructuring or replanning on how you're going to engage in that work environment at the office. So it creates another opportunity for difficulty. Uh, right. And uh, um, you know, kind of what are some of those, as, um, as we still kind of complete the return to office uh, you know, timeline, um, what should those who run law firms be thinking about um, in terms of, you know, making things as um, as easy as possible for, uh, you know, neurodiverse um, employees to, you know, adapt back to that environment? I can say at Stinson, one of the things we've really tried to highlight and promote with our return to office approach is the flexibility that we have in our hybrid policy. So our attorneys and staff have a lot of flexibility in their ability to work from home when that works well for them, but also to come into the office and experience all of the benefits, both personally and professionally, that come from working in person with your colleagues. 
Um, so we really like to think of it as kind of people get to have the best of both worlds, the option to be in person in the office and to be remote when that's better. As Casey just pointed out, though, the ability to really fully benefit from that policy and that way of working requires planning and some ability to be able to structure your day and structure your week so that you can benefit from all of the different offerings that that policy can bring to somebody's life. Casey, anything that you would add? Well, I think, yes. Um, I mean, there's we, we could run whole coaching groups about how to transition back to the office. But I do think that the, the planning piece is essential. And so when I work with some of my clients, I ask them, you know, when are you going to be at the office? When are you going to be working with home? And they don't know in advance. So I do think managing your own expectations and planning about what what benefits you when you're working at home, what benefits you when you're working at the office, and how to structure that so that it's a win-win for you, your clients, and your firm. Um, but that requires some self-awareness and um, really some, some thinking about, okay, how do I structure this so that I get my best result and I'm not overworking? So one of the artifacts that we saw with working from home is that we don't shut off work because it's at home. We're not leaving the office and leaving it behind, which is already a struggle for busy attorneys um, who are expected sort of 24-7 responsiveness. Um, and so that temptation to work late into the night, to sacrifice sleeping, to sacrifice family time, even though they were in the same building, maybe to, to, to sort of put your self-care on hold. Um in to satisfy work demands is even harder when you are working from home. So I think it just awareness and planning are the key. And outside of the, uh, you know, uh, work from home, return to office dynamic, what else can uh, firm leaders do to support uh, those who have ADHD. And I think it's it's kind of a, a two-pronged thing with those who kind of know they have it. So, um, you know, you can adapt that way. And then I guess those who, you know, haven't been diagnosed, but, you know, have some challenges with uh, executive function. Um, so I, guess, I don't know if there's different approaches for both of those or if it's kind of the same, but what can uh, firm leaders do? Um, in that aspect? I think a lot of it starts with self-awareness, right? And that's really what we've been trying to build and foster in our partnership with Casey and her team. One of the main messages, kind of getting back to that no one size fits all that we hit on earlier, you know, we really try to encourage people, if you do feel like you need support, for, you know, whether it be mental health or some sort of concern with your executive function, performance generally, reach out to a trusted leader, right? Like start the conversation. There's no one roadmap that we can apply to every situation, but we have a lot of people at Stinson whose sole job, their sole focus is to support our talent and their ability to be successful. So a lot of the times it really just starts with making sure people know they can reach out and that there are people at the firm who can support them in their ability to be successful and to find a solution and a step forward that will be 
uniquely suited to them as an individual. Yeah. And I, I'm just going to bounce off of that, that ADHD and as far as neurodiversities or, or challenges is very treatable. Um, and so if, you know, reaching out to how the, your form, firm leadership can support you is key. Um, but you can also take steps on your own to figure out if ADHD is not already diagnosed, is it part of your neurological picture? Um, there's ways of finding that out, you know, tests online that are, that are pretty robust, but also just sort of looking at the symptoms and saying, is that me? <laughs> um, and not being surprised because one of the things that we've seen a lot of is that with our population of attorneys and other professionals, like legal professionals who are high achievers with these executive function problems is that they're they're really not realizing that ADHD might be a part of the picture until later in life. So a late diagnosis is very common right now um, because before things got really challenging and you're advancing in your career and in your life, you've been able to compensate or cope with the symptoms of ADHD or executive dysfunction um, by sort of muscling your way through and being really smart. And now things are starting to pile up and become symptom, you know, symptomatic of something else that you can give a name to. Um, the reason that that's important is because it increases your self-awareness, self-acceptance of the problem, and gives you treatment options that are really valuable and can help, like you said, Justin, is to make things easier. Let's make things easier for you help you to be more effective at work without asking you to work harder, um, but just work in a different way. And so I think it's really crucial, this self-awareness piece. I know we're going to say that like a broken record, but it is key to opening the door to all the other good stuff that can happen down the line. One other piece I'll briefly mention related to the self-awareness theme is Stinson has a resource that we call our Wellbeing Champions Network. And our champions are Stinson constituents of both attorneys and staff who are willing and able to speak about their own personal lived experiences with a variety of different challenges, everything from depression to anxiety, substance misuse, and also ADHD. We have well-being champions who have navigated their own ADHD diagnoses and are willing to be a peer support to a colleague who maybe just learned of their own neurodiversity condition are navigating ADHD newly for themselves or perhaps for a child in their life. Um, and just to be there as a source of support as someone who has been down that road and navigated that experience can maybe share some lessons learned or resources that worked for them and also to build community within our firm of people who are navigating similar challenges. I think that's so crucial because one of the things that what I hear from the lawyers with ADHD who come to Dixon Life Coaching a lot is, I thought I was the only one who was struggling with this. And to hear it from somebody in your firm that, yes, this is something that I also deal with and have managed to come to terms with and become more effective with is crucial. Um, if we go back to our prevalence statistic, I mean, we're talking about about 166,000 attorneys in the United States who are practicing attorneys, who are talented, successful attorneys, and also have ADHD. So 
it's those kinds of initiatives like Stinson is carrying out is just they're absolutely essential for people to move forward. Yeah, no, I think that's really great. And uh what's also great is that there's there are different aspects of this program. So, you know, if firms think that that, you know, one aspect might work best at their firm, they can pull that out and and you know, I think probably going to you know starting a whole program maybe might be a little bit overwhelming at first, but you know, there are certain elements that um that they can take out of it and uh you know hopefully provide some more support to uh these uh, attorneys and staff members and there's lots of different ways to slice that up right you can offer um just I know several firms and Stinson's among them is here's a CLE about this. So your attorneys can join, get CLE credit and learn about ADHD or neurodiversity well-being offices like Krista's are doing incredible work, diversity, equity and inclusion offices, same thing. Um, having regular um, meetings that your staff can join or employees or attorneys to talk about neurodivergence or ADHD bringing in coaching programs, all of these things are, are ways that you can slice this up to, to really help your, your staff. Right. And no matter how a firm goes about it, one sort of key to success I would offer is do make sure no matter where your efforts are coming from, from within your organization, have well-being, whatever well-being function you have, be a part of those efforts. What's amazing to me, and again, something I don't think I fully appreciated until I started working with Casey, is just how high the co-occurrence is of mental health conditions like anxiety, depression, substance use disorder with ADHD, right? So it's very likely that somebody who is living with ADHD is also living with a mental health condition, meaning that neurodiversity topics are a well-being topic as well yeah absolutely yeah for sure um all right so uh you know again i want to thank you both for uh for being here um i'm glad that we could kind of illuminate uh this topic that uh you know a lot of people um you know probably are uh, living without uh talking about it or or knowing about it so i'm glad we could talk about it a bit um and uh and thank you very much to our viewers and listeners for tuning in um please be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel if you want to see more uh content like this and uh as always you can learn more about ala at alanet.org until next time